Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. Learn more about the program and our church when you visit walkintruth.com or you can download our free Living Truth app. Now here's Pastor Michael teaching in Exodus chapter 8, verses 20 through 32, called The Coming Swarm. We're going to be in Exodus 8, The Coming Swarm, but before we go there, I'd like you to turn to Matthew 16, Matthew chapter 16. The Pharisees approached Jesus, and of course, at this point in the gospel, Things are winding down in his earthly ministry. And here's the exchange. The Pharisees, Matthew 16, 1, and Sadducees came up and testing him, asked him to show them a sign from heaven. Matthew 16, 2. And he answered and said to them, when it is evening, you say, it will be fair weather for the sky is red. And in the morning, Matthew 16, 3, there will be a storm today. For the sky is red and threatening. Do you know how to discern the appearance of the sky, but cannot discern the signs of the times? An evil and adulterous generation seeks after a sign, and a sign will not be given it, except the sign of Jonah. And he left them and went away. Father, as we think about this idea of a coming swarm, We can't help but think of storm language and think of how many things are happening in our world right now, coalescing, (laughs) and uh, we're not making any predictions here, but we're just saying we're on storm watch. And uh, Pharaoh was given at least 10 signs if we add the first encounter with the serpents, 11, and yet his heart remained hard. And my prayer is that our culture, our country, with all that's going on, with what we've just been through in this last year, would not remain hard to the things of the gospel. And I do see signs of hope, even interacting with two uh, men in the last 24 hours who are not believers, but are showing signs that they're hungry to know more. Thank you for that. I pray that that would multiply, because there are certainly so many things that are causing chaos in our world and Father, if, if you don't have our attention now, I wonder what it will take. But I do pray that as we look at this message and what you did in ancient Egypt, and we know there's parallels to what's coming in the day of the Lord, that we would be on storm watch, that we don't, we don't need to be anxious. We know you're in control, but we would ultimately understand the signs of the times and know what we should do. In Jesus' name, if you agree, would you say amen? amen. Now, the main text is Exodus chapter 8. We're at the fourth plague, and we pick up the account in Exodus 8, 20, the coming swarm. Exodus 8, verse 20. Now the Lord said to Moses, rise early in the morning and present yourself, Exodus 8, 20, before, the NIV says, confront, the Hebrew is literally, stand your ground, present yourself before Pharaoh as he comes out to the water. And say to him, thus says the Lord, let my people go, that they may serve me. I want them serving me. I don't want them serving you. Now, Egypt has been bloodied, frogged, and bugged so far. 
the storm winds are about to come in the form of something that has left scholars a little bit perplexed because the Hebrew word can allow for some different things from dog flies to beetles. I will tell you that whatever showed up in Egypt back in the day (laughs) was not fun. And it was probably something that did bite people and was more than just a nuisance. And Nahum 1.3, for your notes, says, The Lord is slow to anger and great in power. The Lord, Nahum 1.3, will by no means leave the guilty unpunished. In whirlwind and storm is his way, and clouds are the dust beneath his feet. So we've had three plagues, and now we have a fourth. And this time, God speaks to Moses, tells him to get up early in the morning, verse 20 present himself, take his stand. And unique to this particular uh, encounter is that there's no magicians and no Aaron. It's now come down to, at least in this case, to Moses confronting the Pharaoh. And the Pharaoh is by the Nile. He's at the waters, and we've shared that the Nile was a god to the Egyptians, a very important god And the fact that the Pharaoh has gone back down to the waters of the Nile indicates, because remember we mentioned earlier that he's not just there bathing or going there to take a swim, there is some form of connection to his position and power and worship in him going down to the Nile, which reveals something interesting. That is that Pharaoh is still worshiping the same old gods and goddesses that that river was just bloodied by the true God and he's still down there worshiping the same old idols that cannot save, cannot deliver, cannot do anything good in his life. Why do we do that? That our idols are proven to be not only worthless but dead and that was one of the messages when the Nile became blood. Your God is dead. What you worship cannot produce life Pharaoh went down to the water regularly to get life or get some sort of power to do what he was supposed to do, which was to bring equilibrium to Egypt. How was he doing? Not very good. The whole Egyptian world was in chaos, and Pharaoh's still down there by the riverside. And I would just tell you, that if you keep going back to your old idols that have been proven to be dead over and over again, they're going to do the same thing over and over again. All they're going to do is pull you into their deadness. They can't give you life. Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and have it what? To the full. But there's the Pharaoh. He still hasn't gotten the message. And there's Moses on the positive side without Aaron confronting the Pharaoh standing his ground. Now, there's some things implied here, and I mentioned to you that in the accounts uh, here, the narrative condenses so that we don't get all the back and forth. Some, Some things are kind of filled in with what's told Moses, and then you fill in the blank that he went to the Pharaoh. And the Pharaoh obviously hasn't even learned his lesson from the plague of gnats, which we dealt with last time. You would think that he'd be convinced by now, right? But he's not. He's back to his same old God, same old ways. But Moses is there, and this is something that struck me even this morning. And God has fulfilled something in Moses' life that I want to encourage you with. 
When Moses was at the burning bush and God revealed himself, Moses basically said to God, this is Exodus 3, about 10 through 12, who am I that I should go to the Pharaoh? And God said, I will be with you. And God gave him marching orders. And then remember when Moses made his excuses in chapters 3 and 4? I'm not good at talking. I, I, I can't do it, Lord. And the Lord said, I will be with you. And now Moses has become what God promised. And I'll tell you what, as a Christian and someone who's in ministry, I often battle with my humanity. I have long stretches where I battle with my humanity, my worthiness, my ability to do what God's called me to do. And God says, I will be with you. And then, have you, have you had this moment where maybe something happens in your life, something good, something positive, you become a witness for Christ, and you kind of go like this, wow, who was that? <laughs> who was that that just shared all those Bible verses that I didn't think I knew? And you become what God promises you can be in Christ Jesus. Amen? Amen. So if you've had a tough week filled with doubts, we all have them. Be of good cheer. Even Moses, who had his doubts and questions, I can't do it, I can't speak, God has made him what he promised to make him. And in Christ Jesus, we will become what God has promised that we will become. Now, we are new creations in Christ, but ultimately we're going to get new bodies. Amen? We're going to inherit a forever kingdom. We will become what God has promised. That's such wonderful news. No Aaron, no staff, but Pharaoh saying, oh no. <laughs> Can you imagine Pharaoh's down by the riverside doing his, he may even be singing to the Nile. That's what they did. They sung to the Nile. Oh Nile, thank you, thank you, whatever. <laughs> and here comes Moses and Pharaoh had to be going, oh no. Because he knows what's coming every time Moses shows up. It's another plague. So there it is. There's the confrontation. A little early morning warfare. Wake up early. Stand your ground. Three times in Ephesians 6, 11 through 13, we are told to stand firm, to take our stand. Philippians 4, 1, we are to stand firm, my beloved. And the only way that you can stand firm is in the power of God. And that Ephesians 6, 11 through 13 is the armor of God. Put on the armor so that you can take your stand. Amen? And when you feel like you're wobbly and you're going to fall over, the Lord is the one who will make you stand. Amen? And so there's Pharaoh. There he is down by the water. His world is in chaos. His people have to be questioning his leadership. For if you will not let my people go, 21, behold, I will send, God will send swarms of insects on you and on your servants and on your people and into your houses. And the houses of the Egyptians shall be full of swarms of insects and also the ground on which they dwell. Sometimes it's the little things in life that can certainly bother us. <laughs> One fly in the house can be trouble. Two or three flies in the house could be considered a disaster, especially in my Italian household. But can you imagine swarms of insects flying into your dwelling and being everywhere on the ground where you walk so that it's crunch, crunch, crunch? Well, that's what's going on. And God says, here's a play on words in Hebrew. If you don't send them out, my people, 
I'm going to send the swarms in. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. Hello, I'm Rob Newton, the producer of Walk in Truth. You know, since we began on this journey of reaching out with God's truth to all people, we have grown to be on seven radio stations, one in Southern California, one in Northern California in the Bay Area, Arizona, Idaho, Utah, and two in Georgia, reaching people from all walks of life and faiths. In addition, we have listeners all over the world, like in South Africa, Nepal, Australia, the United Kingdom, Pakistan, and Israel, thanks to our podcast. The country where we have the second most listeners is India. Fewer than 3% of the population are Christians there. The hope of the gospel is getting around. If you are a financial partner, thank you for recognizing the importance of Walk in Truth by giving at least $5 a month and for praying for people's lives to be changed through hearing and responding to the messages aired each week. Through our partnership together, Walk in Truth has been able to carry God's message of hope to thousands of listeners who may be feeling stress, confusion, and hopelessness, and also contributing to the joy in learning God's Word and feeling Him close. Walk in Truth's total budget for radio airtime, promotion, equipment, supplies, and staffing is over $150,000 a year. Our goal has always been to become 100% listener-supported and expand into more radio stations as God provides. Our current level of listener financial support has grown to nearly 35%, and we are praying for more listeners to become part of the Walk in Truth team. Can you become a Walk in Truth partner, or can you give a one-time tax-deductible Christmas gift today? Please help us reach 50% listener support before the year ends. Call 844-48-TRUTH to give or visit walkintruth.com. That's 844-488-7884. 844-488-7884. One more time, 844-488-7884 or visit walkintruth.com. And Merry Christmas. We'd love to see who's listening, so please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walkin' Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walkin' Truth. And when you feel like you're wobbly and you're going to fall over, the Lord is the one who will make you stand. Amen? And so there's Pharaoh. There he is down by the water. His world is in chaos. His people have to be questioning his leadership. For if you will not let my people go, 21, behold, I will send, God will send swarms of insects on you and on your servants and on your people and into your houses. And the houses of the Egyptians shall be full of swarms of insects and also the ground on which they dwell. Sometimes it's the little things in life that can certainly bother us. (laughs) One fly in the house can be trouble. Two or three flies in the house could be considered a disaster, especially in my Italian household. But can you imagine swarms of insects flying into your dwelling and being everywhere on the ground where you walk so that it's crunch, crunch, crunch? Well, that's what's going on. And God says, here's a play on words in Hebrew. If you don't send them out, my people, I'm going to send the swarms in. You send my people out, or an army of insects is coming in. 
And as I mentioned, got to fill in the blanks here. There's no record of a reply from Moses, even to the earlier plague, but he obviously has stayed uh, difficult and uh, calloused. The fourth judgment is the plague of flies. Uh, New American Standard, the older version has uh, flies there. I think also NIV, ESV, New King James, insects, I'm sorry, is the older New American Standard. All the modern updated translations have it as a plague of flies. The biblical term is not limited to house flies and may in fact refer to several different kinds of flying insects. J. Vernon McGee says these flies were most likely sacred beetles or the scarab as they were known in Egypt. These scarabs, many of of gold, are found in the tombs of Egypt. They were sacred to the sun god Ra. The severity of the plague is reflected in the fact that Pharaoh was willing to reach some sort of compromise with Moses at this time. The Egyptian scarab or beetle spoke of eternal life. Imagine this most sacred thing becoming a curse to your people and a plague on the land. We have a photo that I wanted to show you of uh, beetles that showed up on the seashore in England. Uh, There you can see what showed up there. They say hundreds of thousands of these things washed up on the shore. People were taking their morning walk and began to film them and take pictures of them. And sometimes, you know, when you look at things like in history and things that are questionable and kind of an anomaly or something weird, maybe it's a newspaper clipping from a hundred years ago, something washes up on the shore and you're kind of like, gee golly, wow, that's weird. You know, is the photograph a little hazy? But this happened in April of 2020. (laughs) And they say it could have been a weather phenomenon or whatever that caused the beetles to fall into the ocean and then wash up on the shore. But to give you an idea, the swarms of insects that happened in the Egyptian plague probably was something similar to this. And they were also on the ground where you walked. So don't imagine a few house flies where you need your fly swatter. This was a terrible, dark, scary plague. And it would move into the land of Egypt in such a way that it would frighten people to the core. Shane told a story a few weeks ago of when he was at Calvary Chapel Bible College. And there was, uh, what they do is the students serve in some sort of help around the campus. And I don't know if you guys know, know this, but Calvary Chapel Bible College in Murrieta is now up for sale uh, so they're, they're selling the property. But anyway, uh, so in Murrieta, a young student was up on a lift and he was uh, trimming a tree and somehow he hit a beehive and uh, he started screaming. And when people heard his screams, they thought that maybe he had cut his arm or had cut off a finger or done something terrible because he was like screaming like bloody murder kind of screams. Well, it turns out that he had hit a hive and he was being stung by bees. And when they finally realized what was happening, they lowered him down. And I think he got his way uh, into, there's several different things of water around the campus and he fell into the water. But I can't remember the number of stings. Shane will have to straighten me out on this, but it was something like 900 and something bee stings. And uh, he, the guy nearly died, and they, the doctor told him that if he ever gets stung by a bee again, it's going to be probably lethal to him. And uh, there, there is evidence that whatever this insect was, 
it had the ability to bite and even like suck blood out of you. So this just wasn't like you're being buzzed. You know those, those beetles that don't do anything, but they, they seem to have no eyesight. They fly up and they whack you in the head and you're like, Aah! and people freak out. Uh, but they don't do anything. So, you know, once you realize what they are, you can kind of beat them around. You can play volleyball with them if you want. But, but these are different. The, the Hebrew language includes the idea of fastening and biting. And Spurgeon says, when it pleases God by his judgments to humble men, he is never at a loss for means he can use, lions or lice, famines or flies. In the armory of God, there are weapons of every kind from the stars in their courses to the caterpillars in the hosts. And you can fill up in everything in between. God does not have a shortage of things that he could use. And it's something that we should be thinking about because Jesus Christ holds everything together. Many mysteries, including in the scientific minds about how things hold together in our universe. And it's held together by the power of God. And if God were to let go, it would be an ugly, ugly scene. And things that we take for granted, even in the delicate balance of the universe and so forth, we should not. And even in the way that our bodies work is really amazing. You've been listening to The Coming Swarm, part one on Walk in Truth. And that was Pastor Michael's teaching in Exodus 8, 20 through 32. Hey, we just wanted to say that we are very grateful for all our Walk in Truth partners. It's thanks to you and our church that this mission has grown to serve people in over seven radio markets across the U.S. And it's listened to in over 26 countries on podcast. We've always tried to reach more people with the truth of the Bible and help people see how it does still apply to everyday life. Furthermore, to demonstrate how God does love the world. During this Christmas season, are you able to help us continue this mission? As you may know, we are a listener-supported ministry, and we could use your help. Would you consider adding Walk in Truth to your Christmas list? We would appreciate a one-time gift of whatever you can give. But, of course, you becoming a Walk in Truth partner, giving at least $5, 10 or $20 a month, would go a long way, too. If this program is added to your day-to-day study of the Word of God, please visit walkintruth.com and click Donate. That's walkintruth.com and click Donate. Now here's Pastor Michael with a final word. You may be asking the question, how is it that Pharaoh sees these signs from God and doesn't change his God? (laughs) It's not like he's seeing the same power come from his gods. It's clear that the God of the Bible is God. Why is he so stubborn? You know, that's a question that we might be asking of a lot of people in our lives. Maybe you have a friend, a family member that is just completely stubborn and hardened to the gospel. And that you know, does speak of the free will of man, that man can have a calloused heart. Why is your heart so hard? And yet at the same time, we can see that God says he was going to harden Pharaoh's heart as well. How much is divine? Is it all God hardening him? Is it some of Pharaoh's will? Is it a combination of both? These are the debated topics. And we've, we've gone through some of that as we've done this teaching and we'll, we'll do a little bit more as we talk about the Pharaoh. But the bottom line is this. Let's make it personal. Where is your heart? Is your heart soft to the things of God? Has the Lord been drawing you? Are you 
a Christian? Are you a believer? Have you finally decided that the God of the Bible is the true God? You know, we're coming up on, on onto the Advent season, that is the Christmas season, and this is a perfect time to decide who is your God. You know, the beautiful thing about Christmas is that our God entered into our pain in the person of Jesus Christ. We call it the incarnation. It is what is really celebrated at the Christmas season. And the Christmas season is a wonderful time, not just to go to church, but to get back connected to the body and to get first and foremost connected to the head, who is Jesus Christ. And so I would encourage you, wherever you may live, that you would get back into fellowship. Maybe for you, it'll be the first time that you go to a church and really plug in. Maybe you've been listening for a while and you've decided to become a Christian, but now you need a home fellowship. Hey, if you live in the Inland Empire, we're always inviting people out to Living Truth Christian Fellowship in Corona, where I serve as senior pastor and love for you to come on out. You can find out more about the church when you go to walkintruth.com and click on the church tab. That's walkintruth.com. Click on that church tab. You can find out uh, service times, driving directions, what's available for kids, teenagers, and men and women. There's there's a lot going on at the fellowship. Walkintruth.com. Click on that church tab. Hey, if you're outside the SoCal area and you can't be part of our service, you can always watch on YouTube, participate on YouTube. But again, I want to encourage you to find a good home fellowship near you that is honoring the Word of God and teaching it in a fashion that you're hearing on this program. God bless you. Reach out to us, walkintruth.com. We'll see you right here tomorrow. And join us tomorrow for part two of Pastor Michael's teaching in Exodus 8, 20 through 32, called The Coming Swarms. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. Our goal is to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.